Welcome to the Broken Metatarsal. My name is Rich Williams. This is a brand new podcast from Planet Football where we will begin by celebrating everything that Naughty's football had to offer. A decade of footballing brilliance, the Battle of the Buffet and some very well documented Broken Metatarsals. Joining me today, as per usual, Stoke supporting Planet Football editor Mark Holmes. Hello, hello. Uh, also with us is our Borough fan and European footy expert, Pete Farris. Hello. And today, comedian and Liverpool fan and previous winner, everyone, of Funniest Joke at the Edinburgh Fringe, Adam Rowe. Adam, welcome. What's happening? Thanks for having us. Good. Does that, I, don't want to, I didn't want to put pressure on you by mentioning the, uh, <laughs> the funniest joke gong, but it's a pretty good gong to have, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, that, that, that award is great on paper <laughs> until you hear what the joke is. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> the, the jokes that win that type of award are always like a cheesy one-liner, and it's, that's not my style at all. And it just so happens that I had one <laughs> in my show. and it, it I, know, I know it. I think it's, quite, I think it's a good one. Well, you're entitled to your opinion. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask you it's to say it. the first time I've seen someone, like a comedian, go, oh, it's just not funny. It's not that it's not funny. It's just, it's not, it wasn't in my style. And then, very fortunately, because of that award, the show had sold out. But it was full of people who'd already heard that joke. So when I did that joke, which I was contractually obliged to do as a result of winning the award, I did that joke and a room full of people went, yeah. That, that's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> right, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Football Index, the football stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money. If you sign up today at footballindex.co.uk, you can use our very own code. Our code is TBM Index, as in the broken metatarsal, TBM Index, and uh, trade with a £500 money back guarantee. Uh, new customers only. 18 plus use TBM index and you get that 500 pound money back guarantee as always you can get in touch on email contact at planetfootball.com and it would be great if you like to and people have been very very kind by the way rating and subscribing to the podcast and with very kind comments as well so uh, if you've done that we are super grateful we don't really like asking because you know you don't want to ask these things but please go and rate and subscribe to the podcast and leave a really nice review if you enjoy it. That would be um, absolutely amazing. Before we just get on with today's actual podcast, we do ask all our guests, do you have any metatarsal connection other than having some? Um, I'm currently with a broken metatarsal that is almost impossible to fix. Excellent. Excellent oh news God. for us. Well, that's the end of the podcast. Then. <laughs> We've completed it. <laughs> you have just finished. The final podcast. No, no one else can follow you after you that. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I was playing six aside. I mean, little brother was playing with us and he, he just had a, a shot and I just put my foot up to block it and ball sort of like snooker cued me big toe. Right around the end. Yeah, literally. Oh, I see what you mean. And, and sort of pushed it back in. Ooh. The pain was just ridiculous. And eventually it got better, and then I played football about a year later, and it just went again. And I went back to the doctor and went, just let it heal, but give it another year before you play football, and it did again, and it went again. So now if I want to play football, I have to literally coat my foot in Neurofen gel and wrap it up. And then the next day I'm in agony, but I can just get through the game. You're like a prof- like a professional player. Can we get can we get him through the six aside? It's a big one tonight, lads. <laughs> Basically, so, yeah. I think football manager where it's uh, give injection in there. Yeah, yeah. Give, yeah, give injection to get you through. Like, an three injection weeks. of Neurofen pain gel. <laughs> are you going to be all right to make it? Can you get? Can we get him through? Do we need to, an injection to get through the podcast? Or are you going to be okay? It depends when I've got a kick. Okay. <laughs> Mark gets pretty rowdy about 15 minutes in. So. <laughs> I might need an injection to get me through this one. Too fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. I didn't want to make you sound unprofessional Mark but I mean you're struggling a little bit this morning aren't you I am a little bit yeah I went to see Primal Scream uh, which was great but I uh, I sat fully clothed on the sofa uh, pom bears my kids crisps strewn all over the floor and I got woken up by my little lad trying to force 
Um, <laughs> a cookie into my mouth. He's taken one look at me and thought he needs to eat. He's doing this podcast. He needs something in his gob. Whilst you sort yourself out, let me introduce the theme. Uh, each episode, we dig into one element of the noughties from the sublime to the ridiculous. Today, it's a Spaniard who swapped Spain for Scousers, a manager who breathed new life into Liverpool, a tale of not one Champions League final, but two, including incredible Istanbul and a story of what could have been in the Premier League. It's the Rafa Revolution. Torres gets past him and scores his first Liverpool goal. And Gerard! Oh! Into Steven Gerard. Luis Garcia is there as well. That might well across the line anyway. He's been given. Second chances if Shevchenko misses. He saved it! The European Cup is returning to England and to Anfield! I am talking about facts. I am not talking about my impression. Things that everybody can see every single week. Liverpool fan, you are here. We are talking about Liverpool and the Rafa revolution. 16th of June, 2004. Cast your mind back. He just won the Liga. He just won the UEFA Cup with Valencia. And you hear that Rafa Benitez is taking over as, as Liverpool manager. What are your yeah. thoughts at that point? What are the Liverpool fans thinking? I think there was a, an air of optimism about it, but there was also, we were linked with Mourinho at the same time and he just won the Champions League with Porto. So I remember at the time, it was also seen as Mourinho was going to come to either Liverpool or Chelsea. And I think, although... Rafa has gone on to become a Liverpool legend. I think at the time, a lot of Liverpool fans wanted Mourinho to come and take over. Um, so it was an air of optimism, but also like, I wonder what we could have had with that guy. Um, but then you only have to fast forward nine months to, to sort of see that that was all not worth worrying about at the time. Obviously, when he came in, towards the end of the Julier regime, things were getting a little bit stagnant, just a little bit. And Julier's a legend as well. And I've, I've still got... A, a lot of sort of merch from the Julier era, just a lot of different shirts and t-shirts and hat. Like, just I, I've saved everything so that one day when I've got a kid, I can go. Here's a load of Liverpool stuff you'll never wear. <laughs> you keep it in your loft forever, and the kid will and go give it to your kid. eBay.co.uk. <laughs> you can't. You can't. I've still got programs from like the fifties, sixties, seventies, and like my nan and granddad that they've passed, and you can't get rid of them. You don't want them, but you can't get rid of them. Well, you, you can if it's Liverpool stuff. I imagine Stoke stuff is hard to get rid of. Yeah. Well, no, unbelievable. Five minutes into the pod, I'm struggling, and he's not digging. <laughs> but he has got a valid... Stoke program from the forties. I just can't sell it. <laughs> <laughs> this won't go. I'll pay you to take it. All right. Come on, lads. <laughs> you go back in your corner. You were talking about Julian. Um, yeah, so I think when Rafa come, t took over, we, we needed something fresh, and that's definitely what he brought. And, you know, we, we looked at for a long time to success at United and Arsenal in the 90s, and Arsene Wenger was sort of renowned for bringing a lot of French players through. And straight away, it looked like Rafa was going to try and do the same, bringing as many Spaniards as he possibly could. Uh, and I think that helps, you know, having countrymen amongst your squad as a manager, certainly as a new manager in, in this area of football, because the language barrier is there. That first uh, summer that you got five signings, didn't you, and four of them were, uh, were Spanish. Um, Alonso, Garcia, Hossamir, and 
and Nunes, and then Cisse was the other one. Then even in January, we went and got Morientes uh, yeah. and Pellegrino. And, and Cisse wasn't his signing either. Cisse was, was, that lined uh, up? was already lined up. Um, so if it was down to him, every single player would have been <laughs> Spanish that he brought in. And I do think that helps, though. I think that bridges the gap between the management and the players, because obviously, as a player, you end up part of the squad and you can sort of help get the manager's message across, especially players who end up becoming integral parts of the team, like Alonso and Garcia. And that first season, of course, is is amazing. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Istanbul, because how could you not in 2005? But the run into that... Can you well, imagine if we did an episode uh, yeah. about Rafa Benitez's first season at Liverpool <laughs> and just completely just, ignored yeah, Istanbul? We were talking about this before, and we were like, you could do a whole podcast on, on Istanbul. I mean, you really, And we will. Yeah. And we probably will, yeah. yeah. but, but, but for now, we will, we'll come back to that in just a moment. But actually, we were talking about Liverpool and Chelsea. You mentioned about Mourinho. Where was he going to go? And then you've got this... Uh, the League Cup final, of course. Um, Gerard own goal. Chelsea win it. Mourinho does the shushing to the crowd. He gets sent off. There's then the semi-final of the Champions League, and then you go on and win in Istanbul. That really did start one of the great football rivalries, Liverpool and Chelsea, which would go head to head over the next few seasons and create some memorable, memorable games. But it does start, you know, going back to that League Cup final. Yeah, obviously, as a Liverpool fan, we like sort of winding the likes of Chelsea and City up and saying things like, you know, you're not proper clubs, you're not really our rivals, Man United are our rivals, it's all about your, your total to- trophy haul and United are the only ones who come close to us. I think we're at exactly level as of right now when we're recording this podcast, on, which is uh, November 2019 for anyone mm-hmm. listening in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Just before you won the Premier League that season. Uh, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Dangerous. Uh, <laughs> God, that's going to be in the back of my head the whole episode. Sorry, mate. I had to do it. Um, Yeah, I did. Like Chelsea are a big rival of Liverpool now, and we we know that just because even in the 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 past few years where sort of they've been in different positions, it's always a big game, and they don't like coming to Anfield, and we don't really like going to Stamford Bridge because they're both very difficult grounds to get anything out of for any opposition team, especially a rival, and it all comes down to that season and it's all of what you've just said where was Mourinho going to go I think Rafa might have ended up at Chelsea and he did in the end obviously but um, it was even taught wasn't there when um, when Abramovich come in and, and Gronkjaer scored the win on the last day it was Chelsea or Liverpool were going to get in the Champions League wasn't it it yeah. was even taught that Abramovich only bought Chelsea because they got in so he yeah. could have even ended up buying out Liverpool since he could have started I, I know this seems sort of it's easy to say right now Glad I'm glad that he didn't because everything that sort of Liverpool stands for is not what Chelsea is. And if there's any Chelsea fans, listen, I'm not saying your club's not legit. They're not anymore. They were. They've, uh, they've switched off. Yeah. They're, gone. They're currently giving us a two-star rating. Thanks for that, Adam. Not a problem. Uh, good luck with promotion. Uh, <laughs> um, it really was a birthing time for that Liverpool-Chelsea rivalry. Abramovich could have gone anywhere, Mourinho could have gone anywhere, Rafa could have gone anywhere. And I think the League Cup final, any cup final is big, but it it does come down to the Champions League semi-final and the ghost goal and Adiga Johnson whistling it past the post in the 96th minute or whatever it was. It all just sort of set the next decade and a half up. It's not quite to the level of Man United, but there's a real dislike there amongst both sides look at that ghost goal the touch the ball over the top right for the, for him to for, for Garcia to get to it is so good it's Gerard who sort of like flicks it outside of the boot up into the air you're almost like oh fine 
No one even remembers. I can't, I can't even remember the, the ball. The ball the... is great skill on the left-hand side. It comes like towards just about, say, five, six yards off the edge of the penalty area. Outside of the boot, leaning back. I'm pretty sure it's Jared, but whoever it is, the ball goes... Jared, little Jared. drink over. Yeah. Bados is taken out by uh, Petacek, and then... Garcia puts it three or four yards over the line. But the f- <laughs> <laughs> a goal that came. The other quote, you know. And then, and then, and then, and then the back of the net just tears. <laughs> I actually read the BBC report from that night. It didn't. It didn't make a big deal about it at all. You know, we still t- speaking about it. What all these years later, on the actual report on the night, they didn't make a massive thing of it. It was just like, yeah, yeah it was controversial. Did it or didn't it? But obviously, it's just Mourinho. All this, like, you played each other twenty-four times in five years. But I do wonder if Mourinho hadn't have been there. Would it have turned into this rivalry? Because obviously, he'd shush the fans, like Rich said. Then with that, he called it a ghost goal and the goal that come from the moon. It's all him, in it? Just being a shit house as usual, and then you're starting to hate him. Totally. But something also came out very recently: the the referee from that night at Anfield, where the ghost goal was scored, he said at the end of the game, he told Mourinho, if that hadn't been given as a goal, it would have been given as a penalty, and Petacek would have been sent off. Mm. He knows that they'd have been down to 10 men and probably 1-0 down anyway if that hadn't gone in. It was given as an advantage because we had a clear goal-scoring yeah, opportunity. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't really matter, does it? And I'm... I, 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 it doesn't I, I, really matter, does it? Boy, it's it's also doesn't for you. <laughs> well, I, I, in that game, at that moment, would you rather have that goal go in or would you rather have a penalty against their second-choice goalkeeper and them down to 10 men? If, yeah, you, no, yeah, yeah. if you're Rafa Benitez and he goes, right, you can have the goal or you can have a pen and they're down to 10 men, you're taking the penalty all day long. So if anything, Liverpool got fucked over there. That was like a skilled lawyer, wasn't it? That was, that was <laughs> like, the way you spun that was rest. <laughs> um, But it is incredible. And then that leads on to the final in, in Istanbul. Where did you watch that, by the way? I watched the final in Istanbul. So I was, I was 13 and I watched it in St. Margaret Mary's Parish Social Club. <laughs> Rocking. In Dovecot in Liverpool. So Get that... the in, lads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 13, my little brother's nine. And at half time, we were both crying. 3 0 down, thought it was over. And my dad bought us both a drink and said, Don't worry, we only need two goals and then Gerard will dive and get us a penalty. Um, and he's got a knack for saying things like when we, a year later in the FA Cup final against West Ham, when it was 3 2 to West Ham, seconds before Gerard scored from his own back garden me, me, me dad said he needs to score a really clear goal now if it's anything like Garcia's goal last year they won't give it and then Gerard hit and literally broke the net um, basically Gerard was so good he could just say that before any game <laughs> Gerard needs to score Gerard needs to score he'll do it <laughs> yeah so I, I watched it in that little social club to my shame I turned it off did you at half time, time. Yeah, uh, uh, to Never, my shame. Never, you can't do that. That's not... But I was just like, I don't care enough about this to watch them get battered for the rest of this match. So it was uh, telly off, uh, went and did other stuff. But dad Th- carried... That's our European football expert, <laughs> in quotes. <laughs> saying to be fair, to be Champions League final. What year was this again? 2005. <laughs> Five, so I would have been young. Um, Milan? But... No, I'm not interested in that. Well, 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 well anyway, I'd seen, I'd seen a really good first half from Milan. I'd, I'd had my European fill. Um, but... Uh, I, my dad carried on watching it, and I remember he shouted when it started to happen, and he really shouted when it like carried on happening. And I thought, fucking, oh, my dad's shouting at that. I, I didn't even put two and two together. I was like, oh, it's just, don't, he must be like, good episode of Emmerdale tonight. Yeah, smashing his toe on something and doing his better task or something. And I put it on and then watched the rest of this incredible 
incredible event. There is something about it, and that it, it's part of the history. It's part of the Liverpool story. That comeback is part of that, and that night in Istanbul is part of that fabric of what Liverpool is about and what, I guess, shapes you as a Liverpool fan. Yeah, well, I think it's up there with... It's certainly up there in Liverpool folklore and history as one of our biggest nights. But it, And I know this is such a typical Liverpool fan thing. It's got to be one of the biggest nights in the history of football, like ever, in any game, in any competition, Definitely. anywhere in the world. Definitely. If you look at the Milan team from yeah. that night, from every single one of them is a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. Like, every, not, yeah. Not, not like nine or ten of them, 11 of them. Would be an icon card yeah, yeah. on FIFA. That it, it's a team of legends, and we were three 0 down, and we beat them with Milan Baros leading the front <laughs> line, Jimmy Traore playing left back, Harry Kuehl's right leg playing left wing for the fifteen first, minutes. <laughs> 15 was, minutes. It, was it about twenty five minutes he got yeah. he got hold off after Baros that? Baros was uh, was nominated for the Ballon d'Or that year, which always sound crazy when I look back. It, I think it was the year before two thousand and four. After the Euro, was one. It's like yeah, I think he was he, he finished fifth. I think. <laughs> In the Ballon d'Or rankings. Out of four. <laughs> he wouldn't even finish in the top five of Liverpool strikes of the 2000s onwards, probably. Oh, no. Def- <laughs> definitely not. And I liked him. I had him on the back I of one of my kits. But, he, yeah, he was never, he was never like, one of the most talented strikers Liverpool survived. So, going into that game as, as Liverpool fans, were you thinking, big underdogs here, you know? And then, then at 3-0, it's like, well, it, it does feel like it's done and dusted, doesn't it? I think going into the game, it wasn't like, oh, we're underdogs and whatever. I think it was just, oh, my God. We're in the European Cup final. Our manager's first season, we've got a scouser as our captain who like embodies everything about the football club and the way we want to play. It was exciting, and it was this is the start of Liverpool dominating again. That's what it felt like, and obviously that didn't come to fruition, but it felt like we might be going back to the good times of the 70s and the 80s when we were the best football team on the planet. Well, it's interesting you say that because when Julier left, pretty much the last thing that Jared Julier said publicly as the Liverpool manager, he said the fans here want to go back to the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And he might be able to, but I'm not the man to do that. Departing words were, you want to go back to this time. And then nine months later, we sat watching the fans thinking, for the first 45 going, los but no cigar. And then after that, just, oh, Christ. I don't, I don't think Julier's looked back and been watching that with any sort of bitterness. No, 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 no. I think Michael Owen might have. Yeah, left for real last summer, didn't he? Because he, he left that summer to go and win the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> They're his words. I left Liverpool to win the Champions League and then watched us do it. The Rafa revolution we're obviously talking about, there are two things that really stick out in my mind when you think about how good managers are. And Rafa Benitez, the two things are this. Firstly, to get a team from 3-0 down at half-time to go on and win a game of such importance, you have to do or say something of significance. And the second thing that sticks out for me, and get your opinion on this, is... Jersey Dudek, who was one of the heroes of that night. Thanks, thanks, mate. Getting a new keeper for next season. Yeah. And those are the two things that, for me, when I look back at a manager and, and the the impressiveness of being able to turn something around like that in a big game, and the ruthlessness to say, what do we need to be to be better next season? The Jersey Dudek thing. Jersey Dudek is a Liverpool legend, an icon, in the same way that Divock Origi is. Yeah. In cult that hero. he's a cult hero for that, a reason. Yeah, for a re. It's not like he was. A fantastic goalkeeper for six, seven years. He was he had he pulled off some amazing saves in one final. Divock Origi scores two goals against Barcelona and then one against Tottenham to put himself into Liverpool folklore. That doesn't mean he's going to start this season. You're not just going to put Origi in just because he's now a new cult hero. But I scored a goal, Gaffer. <laughs> I scored the goal. <laughs> but he, he, he probably got himself another contract at Liverpool. 
and it was the same with Dudek. It's like, look, we're very, very grateful, and th this club and the fans will remember you forever. But if we want to win a league, which is what Liverpool have been after for a long time, we need a better goalkeeper. And you got a pretty good one. Yeah in Mr. Pepe Reina. Okay, lots more coming up on the podcast, uh, including Football Fact, Football Fiction, and we'll reflect uh, on Rafa's revolution towards the end, the second Champions League final as well. But before that, we spoke to one of the players who was instrumental in that Champions League run, including a huge goal against a certain Olympiacos. Here's what happened when we spoke to Neil Meller. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Broken Metastar. So we have to talk about this Champions League winning season, which I'm sure won't be that too much of a, of a trouble for you. I mean, even before that Olympiacos game, that incredible goal you scored against Arsenal. Well, I had lots of injuries, lads, but the Broken Metastar was not one of them. So let me just <laughs> yeah, before we start. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it's great 15 years on, whatever it is. And, and people still remember that moment, which is really nice. I'd love to be talking about playing four or 500 games for Liverpool, but unfortunately, Unfortunately, I can't. But what I can say is there was a couple of moments along the way which people still remember. And, and certainly the goal against Arsenal was one of those sort of a moment I'd always dreamed of having an impact in a huge game, which it was. Now, Olympiacos, everyone talks about Steve, you being a hero as he so often was. Now, hang on a minute. 1-1, one, one, you come on, score one, set one up. We're missing a trick here, aren't we? You're the real hero, Neil. Do you know what? When I came on, and I can't remember what minute it was, it was 70-odd minute, I was absolutely exhausted. And the reason I was exhausted was because at half-time we were losing 1-0 to Olympiacos. Rivaldo had scored this free kick and we knew we had to score three goals. So the whole team talk at half-time, I'm staring at Rafa Benito saying, bring me on. Bring me on now because I can score. Get me on. But he turned around to Cinema Pongol and said, you can come on. So I'm, I'm disappointed, but I spent the whole second half sprinting up and down the touchline, just trying to get Rafa's <laughs> eye line to get me on. Get me on, get me on. And so uh, he, he eventually he did put me on. And um, the goal I scored was across from the left wing. Nunes, Antonio Nunes, should have scored at the far post. His, his header was saved and it was just a little tap in for me. Rebound and that sort of got us back into to a chance to, to sort of qualify. And then obviously Stevie scored the wonder goal, which is um, a moment I'll never forget. All about that cushion dadder though, mate. Well, it was funny because, I mean, Jamie Carragher, who we all know has been a, a great defender, hasn't he, over the years. And he was on the left wing. What is Carragher doing on the left wing? He dinks one up to me. And I've got a few options. I'm on the edge of the box. Do I flick it on? Do I control it? Or do I lay it off? Now, I can see two players to lay it off to. One of them is John Arnarisa and the other one, Stephen Gerrard. Now, John Arnarisa has got a decent left foot, but if I'm laying it off, he's going to be on his right foot. I'm one in about 300 again at the target, so I'm thinking no chance of laying it <laughs> off to him. So I've laid it back in towards Stephen Gerrard's space, and obviously we all know he's capable and, and showed he was by delivering a, a wonder strike. It must be a, a proud thing for you to know that you were instrumental when we talk about that Champions League win. Without that, without that passage of play, you come in, you're on the touchline going, pick me, put me on, put me on. <laughs> you know, that, that might not have happened. And you are down in folklore as being a part of that season and that Champions League win. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's not like I said, it's nice to be remembered for, for playing a part, albeit a very small part along the journey. And we were underdogs right throughout that season. It was a great journey right throughout the group stages, which is where I'd had that moment. Even And then the knockout stages, again, we were underdogs. No one fancied us. You're going to get knocked out, beat Leverkusen. You're going to get knocked out, beat Juventus. going to get knocked out, beat Chelsea. Then all of a sudden you turn up in the final against AC Milan, who were an incredible team. Some of the players they had then were, were just incredible. And being in Istanbul, 3-0 down, you're thinking, I'm hurting here. These are my mates that I train with every day. 
don't want to see them get embarrassed in the biggest game of perhaps their careers and, and what the produced second half proved to be one of the most memorable Champions League finals. A lot of supporters, not just Liverpool fans, will remember. So it was nice to play a small part, albeit way back in the group stages when we ended up winning the Champions League. When you're watching that and your teammates are playing, uh, are you one of those people who, when you're not playing, you're trying to head in every head of that comes across, you're trying to kick it, you know, you sort of physically, or you just sort of sit there? and just kind of quite relaxed, watch what's going on. What was going through your mind, especially in that second half when it all all kind of turned around? Well, it was, it was just, it was, it was mental. I mean, I mean, being inside the stadium and I don't know, what was the 60,000, whatever it was, there must have been 55,000 Liverpool fans. There was only a small pocket of AC Milan fans. And every time we scored, there was an ambulance that went to the AC Milan fans and sort of almost as if they couldn't believe what they were seeing as well. It was just really surreal what was going on. I was amongst 10 other players that weren't involved for various reasons. Morientes was cup-tied because he'd played in the competition earlier. Um, Chris Kirkland wasn't involved. There was a few of the lads who had been injured or not involved for various reasons. And we were stood there. We were going absolutely mental when those goals were going. We were supporters. We were part of the Liverpool fans and jumping up and down because... These were our mates, but it's also the club we represent and, and we were witnessing something that we hadn't seen before. You got to celebrate in the end as well. You, you made it onto the pitch, right? You're with the celebration, you're there in the photos and everything. That was hard to get on the pitch because, like I said, there were so many Liverpool fans and we were all in our Liverpool tracksuits, but there was so many fans in Liverpool shirts trying to get on the pitch as well. So for the, so for the Turkish stewards... Who? So everyone's going, I play for yeah. the club. I'm no, Fernando no, Morientes. I'm, I'm an injured player. Let me on. I love the idea of Morientes. No, no one recognising Morientes is amazing to me. Well, well, we got down to the stewards and obviously we're like, do we want to get on the pitch? These are our mates. We couldn't get on the pitch. The steward was not having it, pretending he didn't speak English, couldn't understand us. So in the end, like Morientes was there and he'd won the Champions League two times previously. <laughs> Um, so he said to the steward, listen, I'm Fernando Morientes, these are my teammates. So what he had to do was get his passport out to prove to the steward that it, that it was actually him. And so the steward all of a sudden, from pretending he didn't know him, to hugging Morientes, <laughs> wanted to have pictures with him. And um, so Morientes gets on the pitch, but fair play to him. He made sure every one of us also got over the barrier and onto the pitch to enjoy and, and celebrate on the podium um, alongside the team. So had Morientes not been there, we might not have got on the pitch to celebrate with the team. And you might not have got your medal, albeit a different medal to some of your teammates, right? Right, exactly that. I mean, we said that Ace and Lanty were a great side, but for whatever reason, when we got to the podium and we'd celebrated, Stevie had done the, 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 the cup lift and there was me and... Pellegrini, remember the Southampton manager recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might have been cut tied as well. He'd play for something like Malaga or something in the tournament. So he goes to where all the medals had been and he pulls out two or three AC Milan silver medals and he goes to me, do you want one of them? Went, <laughs> He's gone yeah, rifling, has he? No problem, I'll have one of them. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> um, so I've got an AC Milan brothers up medal so I'm waiting for a knock on the door from Maldini <laughs> to say, can I have that uh, medal back? <laughs> I think I've seen a few of them on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you sort of walk off with it around your neck or what? Just put it in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was it. I, I mean, it, Liverpool won the Champions League against uh, Spurs, didn't they, um, in the summer. And I think there was something like 50 medals, something ridiculous like that. But back then, it was literally the 18 lads who got changed, who got the medal. So, so it was a lot harder to get a medal back then. And, and like I said, I, I hadn't been involved in the knockout stages. Absolutely no problems with that. But it was um, a little souvenir was an AC Milan medal instead. Now, we've not mentioned Rafa yet. Um, tell us about him. I mean, yeah, you'd broken two under Julio, but Rafa really, you know, brought you into the fold. And what was he like as a manager? Top draw. Um, things were changing in England at that time. There was a lot more sort of 
continental, certainly managers, players as well coming over to, to our Premier League. And we'd experienced it with Gerard Houllier and that sort of change diet-wise. You know, when I first went down to Melwood at Liverpool, they, after training, we'd go to the canteen and there'd be cans of Coke, there'd be cans of Sprite, Fanta, chocolate bars. That all changed under Houllier. Um, and, and then even more so under Rafa Benitez, where for pre-match, we'd have toast. We weren't even allowed butter on our toast. That that was the lengths it had changed in terms of the diet and things like that. That's but, not a club I'd want to play for. <laughs> <laughs> Dry toast. But, do, do you know what? Raf, Raf was brilliant. And tactically, he was he, he did things that we'd never experienced before. Julier was only ever out there on the training pitch on the Friday before a game. Rafa Benitez was out there in his shorts every single day. And uh, tactically, he would go through where we needed to be in and out of possession for every warm-up for 15, 20 minutes. So it became ingrained a habit that we knew exactly what was expected. And um, and I think that got, that went to be shown with, with how good our defensive record was. I think Liverpool were really strong defensively under Rafa. And that was because of the hard work he did on the, on the training ground. Well, how did you find him as a bloke? He was ruthless. You know, he was, uh, he was the main man. And... If you look at, I don't know, the Liverpool manager now, Jurgen Klopp, where players are getting hugs all the time. And, and even as a fan, you're thinking, I won't mind a hug off the manager. You would not get a hug off Rafa Benitez. Absolutely no chance. That wasn't his style. Um, but it didn't mean he, he didn't care. He just did it in a different way. I remember the goal that had scored against Arsenal, and it was obviously a significant winning goal against the top side Arsenal. And all I got from him was a little, in the change room, he looked at me and a little tiny thumbs up. And that was it in the trip dressing room after. There was no big hug, there was no well done. It was just a tiny little signal of a little thumbs up. And and that was that was his way of, of sort of saying, well done. Um, he was ruthless, but he was that way for a reason. He, he had a relationship where you knew he was the boss and, and the lads respected that. Obviously, you weren't in the changing room at the time, but half-time in that Champions League final what was said was it was it words from him do you think that inspired the team tactically more than anything I think Rafa would always be very calm in, in his delivery with his with his talks um, I wasn't in the dressing room in Istanbul would love to have been there but obviously what the boys were saying was it made a change but then had to change his mind because Steve Finnan wasn't fit to carry on so he'd said to Traore you're coming off Jimmy Traore's in the shower getting showered thinking right that's it devastate them off and before he's finished shampooing himself, he's back on the pitch. So he get changed again. You're coming on because Finn wasn't right to carry on second half. So that was the thing about him. I mean, I can only speak about experiences myself. I've seen him in that dressing room. Olympiakos springs to mind because that was a big team talk. One nil down uh, and we need to score three. And he was very calm. There was no panic in his voice. It was, this is what we need to do. We need to get the ball to do this between the lines. And this is how we break them down. Whereas the, the other players uh, in the dressing room, Jamie Carragher certainly was very vocal. He was the one that was saying, come on, lads, we can do it. Whereas Rafa was was very calm in in how he um, got his message across. He was like, do your stuff and I'll give you a little thumbs up at the end. <laughs> <laughs> if you do well. Uh, Neil, thank you so much for joining us on the Broken Metal. Absolutely splendid chatting to you and, and recalling those uh, amazing memories. Thanks for having me on, boys. Always good to reflect on good times. Absolutely. You go and treat yourself to some toast with lashings of butter. You deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> it is the Broken Metatarsal. Uh, Rich, myself, uh, Mark, Pete and uh, Adam Rowe, our comedian and Liverpool fan who has joined us today as well, talking about the Rafa revolution. We mentioned uh, that Champions League final in Istanbul and 
uh, bringing the glory back to the northwest. Uh, of course, in the 2006-2007 season, there's another Champions League final as well, third in the Premier League uh, and another Chelsea semi-final as well. So uh, another big season, really, in, in the Rafa revolution. Yeah, and what's... I felt like that was sort of... <laughs> that final made it one-all. Yeah. And I don't mean in terms of titles. I mean in terms of Liverpool and Milan sort of going, well, Milan probably outplayed us in 2005. And in 2007, we outplayed them. We should have won that game, really. I Istanbul, I think we won through sheer willpower and fan connection and just destiny. And I think it was just the gods equaling things out with that 2007 final. An another amazing season. It felt like we were we were definitely a better team by the time that one came around. It was definitely Rafa's team. He'd added a lot more of his own players to the to the to the side. And Jermaine Pennant on the wing, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Liverpool legend Jermaine yeah. Pennant. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Some things you say, there's, there's not many places you can move on from sentences, yeah. isn't it? I think that was one of those, wasn't it? Jermaine Pen like it just sort of like frazzled me brain. It was a weird one because, um, <clears throat> like we spoke, like Mascherano designed in in the January. I think it took a while, didn't it? Because it was. All that stuff with the, the third party stuff. It was still dodgy, that one, it. Oh, both yeah. him and 100%. Tevez. Two of the hottest properties in world football. We're both signing for West Ham. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah, yeah, just for a few months. Then Mascherano's going on loan to Liverpool. So he, he loaned up. You normally loan down, don't yeah, you? Yeah, down a league or something. He loaned up to Liverpool, <laughs> immediately became a starter in the team and one of our best players. How was that not locked in too more? <laughs> like, what was going on there? If you were watching the 2005 final as a 13-year-old with your little brother and the family, all together as a community, which is nice, as a 15-year-old now. I hope it's in the same place. A 15-year-old? Come on. Exactly you watching the it? same place. Yes! <laughs> and but this time... Your dad said anything at half-time <laughs> in this one. Uh, Bloody my dad, said, my dad said, get the round in... <laughs> <laughs> Did you cry that night, mate? Uh, I don't think so. And we played well, and it was never sort of over. It, yeah. Istanbul felt over at half-time. This yeah. wasn't over until the whistle went. They were 2-0 up. We get it back to 2-1. Uh, and there was a, a brief window of hope, but it never really felt like it was going to happen again. Start of the next season, two words for you. Fernando Torres. Yes. yes. I mean, what... What a, and I think as well, also a player that lots of supporters of other teams just really loved as a player because he was magnificent. He was outrageous. That's a better word, actually. Just ridiculous. You know, Gerard playing almost as a second striker just behind him was probably Benitez's biggest stamp as a coach, What what the, the partnership he got out of those two. Liverpool fans absolutely adored that lad. It felt like he was a scouser. You know, his armband... You'll never walk alone when yeah. he was playing for Atletico Madrid. And he comes in, he, he's best mates with Steven Gerrard. He's scoring from the start. He scores on his home debut against Chelsea. That was against Chelsea, a, wasn't it? Yeah. A, 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 like, a get, like in a big, what is now a big rivalry. And Liverpool really took him in. He felt like one of ours. And it felt like he'd never, ever, ever leave us for anyone but to go back to Atletico Madrid at the end of his career. And to leave us for Chelsea was devastating. When he was firing that, that first season, especially that, that remember that goal against Blackburn? I was yeah. just about to mention that. And he got Over like two shoulder. Yeah, and yeah. he got two hat tricks in like back to back home games, didn't he? I think he's probably one of my favourite non Stoke players. And you said about that, like I'm not he, sure he would have got on the Stoke team think, personally. But <laughs> well, not ahead of Fuller, we've established that, but you know, he could have played alongside him, I'd have I'd have changed his formation to get him. But um like with Suarez, who was of a similar level 
was hated pretty much outside of Liverpool. Torres, I don't think you'll meet He's anyone. Liked by people, just like the, the, the fact, just the way he looked, everything about him, and the way he ran, and he was just silky one. He was just like a player you wanted to be. It's like, be my mate, Nando. <laughs> silky, silky was the, that, that's the word I was thinking of. Yeah. Honestly, go. So that's what he was. He was this kind of cream, money. Yeah. There was no his like jagged edges torch, to him. Just the way he ran and like sort of burst past players and yeah. Vidic or you know all the stuff. Well, that, that was that was another big part of why Liverpool fans loved him so much is that we know Vidic had nightmares about him yeah. and any Liverpool player that strikes fear into any United defender's it heart. It was unbelievable because Vidic was absolutely amazing. Him and Rio together, what a partnership. Every time Liverpool played, couldn't Puts him on him. his backside, doesn't he? Yeah, every single time you like, you think, okay, so he's done me. Right, I'll react to that. I'm going to set up a little bit differently. He just kept on doing it again yeah. and again. What a player, man. The, the thing I, I love about him as a striker is a couple of things. First, if you look back at a lot of his goals, inside that box, it doesn't matter what the angle is, he's scoring goals. And he's so sharp to know whether he has to lift it into the roof of the net to play under the keeper but from whatever angle he seems to do it and the second thing he does which not many strikers do because they're not good enough to have the vision or the confidence to do it is that he doesn't always shoot when you think he's about to shoot the ball's coming across him you think he's going to shoot and actually he just kind of drops his shoulder the goalie goes down and then he's got an open net he was great and it's that, that kind of thing he did was to watch you just think this is a clever player he did that again and again and again and a lot of fans hated it because he would do it a couple of times a game and lose the ball. And it'd be like, if he just hit it first fucking time, <laughs> he'd score so many more goals. Like, well, he wouldn't because half of the goals he does score is when he just yeah. puts the keeper on his ass. I mean, people forget how good he was in yeah, the air. He was a total complete striker. Pace, strength, a vicious right foot. Good in the air, linking up with Gerrard. And <laughs> he, he was so, so, so good. That last season at Liverpool, when his injuries had started to take a toll, Liverpool fans constantly beg him, when are we getting our Torres back? When, when's he back? Are we? Get, he needs a run of games. Oh, hang on, he's injured for a couple of games. I'll give him this couple of games, he's going to come back. Then he breaks everyone's heart and goes away. I did love him for a long time, but I, I can't say that I wasn't quite smug when I watched it all fall apart for him. I can see it on your face <laughs> right now. <laughs> and I remember beating Chelsea. I think it was the game after he left. I think our next game was Chelsea. And he got hooked off. Yeah, it was rubbish. And he's he's he sat on a bench and Agar had elbowed him in the head and then we win the game and it just cut to him and he just looked so glum. It's weird, you know, that Liverpool didn't do as well in the league because it was the season after when Torres was nowhere near as good in terms of his goals that you, you went close, but... Like looking at that, like you lost in you lost in the Champions League semi-finals to Chelsea that season, didn't you? Torres' first season. It's weird that it didn't come together straight away because that was what like, Alonso in the midfield with the long balls over to Torres as well, and Gerrard just behind. Like what a team yeah. that was. Speaking about the next season, there's that incredible press conference, isn't there, uh, where Rafa kind of, in a very calm, measured way, pulls out that little piece of paper from his pocket and unfolds and goes, let me read through a list of facts for you, which he says not not a very well-pronounced C, so every time he says it, it sounds a little bit like fats, like fats and small from the 90s. I'm really um, glad, though, Rich, that you said calm and measured, because we've actually done it three or four times when picking up on it on this podcast, because it was Rafa, it was always alliteration, like we've called the Rafa revolution. We were talking about ruthless Rafa before. And the thing with Rafa, whenever he said anything, it was, oh, Rafa rants. That was not a rant. No, no, it he was... He read it, it out was, really, really he, calmly. He, but he, the thing but, about it is when you, when you watch it back is that you can see that, you know, when you're 
angry with someone, but yeah. you don't want to show it. You kind of hold me a bit. I, sometimes when I tell my kids off, I might be really angry, but I don't want to raise my voice. So I'm going to try and do it. But I can see, they can see in the back of my eyes that I'm a little bit pissed off with what they've done. It do was you... a little bit like that when he went through it. And he's going through, he talks about the mind games in it and, and Kevin Keegan's rant, which is a rant, you know, from it's not, yesterday. Nothing like it's that. nothing like that. And he's probably conscious of that doing it. But he does go through bit by bit why he's not happy. The fact is this respect campaign and it's Mr. Ferguson who's not yeah. respecting the respect campaign and he's the one who gets the decision the fixture pile up when that's all going on and you're watching that as a Liverpool fan you think are you thinking here what's he doing or are you thinking go on my son I'm thinking what's he doing I think a lot of Liverpool fans did. I think Liverpool players did I think Carragher's come out since and said the fuck are you doing boss like <laughs> we're in such a good position here why are you losing your mind yeah it was odd I really think it is kind of a rant it's not an uncontrolled rant but what it is is a complete deflection of the question that answers the question Oh, he lost yeah. it. There's no two ways there about is, it. He completely... That was... And it was a Keegan moment, actually. Even though it's a bit of a different version of it, it is a Keegan moment. It is a moment that Ferguson has broken them. The, the difference between the two, though, with Keegan, is a natural reaction yeah. something's been asked, whereas but, with but Rafa, I, I, he's I, got that piece of paper I, ready to go. I actually think he's right, though. I think, I, I think it was a natural reaction. I just think that's Rafa's natural reaction. He's not the type of manager. He hasn't got that loud rant in him that Keegan's got. It's, it's just a personality difference. He, he was on the edge, and that pushed him over, and he was ready for it, but it, it's still like, right, do you know what? Actually, this, 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 and this. And I think Liverpool fans worldwide and the squad were watching going, boss, like, he's got to you here. The question is, what do you think? Sir Alex Ferguson, I'm paraphrasing here, but Sir Alex Ferguson says Liverpool are going to choke. That is the question. The thing and is, as well, the next game was Stoke away, and he's put so much pressure on the players to go and get a result, because if we don't, it's all on me now, and I fucked it up, and Fergie's right, and it was nil-nil. Both games, actually, against Stoke were nil-nil that season. Uh, obviously lost the title by four points. That Those games were crucial. That was a tenuous, tenuous claim now. Mark's just winked to me like, yeah, I've managed to wangle Stoke having any significance this podcast in there. I've reined my Borough urges in here, mate. It's the game Talking about European comebacks and I don't mention Borough, but yeah. We've not even mentioned Antonio Barragan, have we? The only thing about that press conference for me is when you're looking back, it's a bit David Brent just repeating the word, Fact. Yeah, <laughs> and then he says another fact, and you're like, "All right, mate, we get it." You've but decided it is, you're going to say you will never be at another press conference like this. Fact, <laughs> but it is like a, it's like, like we were talking with you earlier, Adam. It's like a lawyer. Yeah. The way he does it, on the 27th of November or something like that, he says, on the, on the 6th of November, uh, this happens. You know, it, it's like a closing statement. Well, it's in what a we were saying about him before. Well. That's the coldness. Here's all the problems that I've got with the way we're being treated. Yeah, and this is a problem. Okay. Then everyone goes, well, you can moan all you want, mate, but you, now you just look like a knobhead. But I think he just snapped, and that's when it started to go wrong. We can't finish without talking about Rafa's last season. So in Rafa Benitez style, I'm going to have to put this to you, unfortunately. Finish seventh, fact. <laughs> Heard in the Champions League group, dropped into the Europa League, fact. Left at the end of the season, fact. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Hicks, Thank you. Hicks and, Hicks and, you know, you know Hicks and Gillette. That out there. I had that in a piece of paper in, uh, in my pocket as well. Hicks and Gillette were owners. Fact. Fact, yeah. Yes. And your thoughts on that final season before Rafa, you know, eventually leaves? Sad. I don't even want to say disappointing. It was sad. You know, he, he'd got to the point where we did adore him and he had brought us back from feeling like mid-table also runs to title challenges and European champions and... I don't think any Liverpool fan ever really wanted him to go. Even after that last season, the, the ownership was seen as the problem. And obviously what followed him leaving 
was the worst period <laughs> in Liverpool's modern history. So, yeah, not good. I forget the season. I'm I'm talking about his sack and was just doom and gloom around. What I don't want to do is we talk about the Rafa revolution and you finishing on a low note, which we don't want to do, even though it did end that way. But how would you just quickly sort of sum up that Rafa period and being a Liverpool fan with with Rafa at the helm? Exciting. That that's the word. It was exciting. We were competing again, and it was up until very recently the best period to be a Liverpool fan in my lifetime. I was born in 1992, so th- there isn't another era that comes close for me to, to what we did, uh, what we nearly achieved in that time on top of winning the European Cup. So the way to sum up Benitez, the Rafa revolution was the best area to be a Liverpool fan. In a seamless link, which was genuinely unplanned but has ended up that way, uh, we will end the podcast with a bit of football fact or football fiction, uh, which kind of seems to fit perfectly for this particular podcast. So um, all three of you got a a footballing statement about the Rafa revolution. Only one of them is a footballing fact. The other two are totally made up. They are footballing fiction. My job and your job listening is to work out uh, which one of them is the footballing fact. So we will start today, I think, with uh, with you, Pete. Uh, Rafa Benitez growing up was a huge comic book fan and uh, decided to grow the beard on getting back into the comics in his um, adult years and uh, starting to read more Iron Man. You know, obviously he had that long period without it, but he apparently just sort of de-stressed, I think it was de-stressed from what I read, or didn't read. Um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he said basically he got back into the comics in his in his adult years and was like, I actually quite like the idea of, of the beard. Um, Adam, what you got for us? Having briefly trained as a chef, Rafa would sometimes head to the catering departments at Liverpool and try to take control. Both of those things in there does sound like something that could be, like I can see him as a chef and I can see him taking control of the of the of the, the cafe. He looks Don't, like a chef, doesn't he? he does Just generally like, his whole look is actually modelled off the little chef logo. <laughs> 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 okay, Iron Chef. <laughs> and Mark. Uh, after the Istanbul final, uh, all the players went out to celebrate. Obviously everyone's trying to get older and the paparazzi and what have you. Stephen Gerrard managed to fool fool them and get away from them by sneaking into the after party dressed as an old man. Now, footballers have done this when they've gone out for like a night out and they haven't wanted to be spotted anyone. They've gone dressed in costume so that no one knows they're there. So I can kind of see that going. Uh, so we've got Rafa's beard choice being based on his love for comic books. Uh, we have um, <laughs> uh, Rafa basically uh, had trained as a chef. What do, what kind of chefing did he do? Was it a classic Spanish? French. Or oh, no, <laughs> do different do? cuisines, do we know? He worked in Mahi's for six months. <laughs> yeah, that's all it was. And Mark, you're saying Gerard dressed as an old man. Some of the other lads have, like, carried him in. You know, like, he's, he's walking along with a walking set, like a limb, and they've carried him in, and they've just not... Even though, obviously, it's not... I've not got a mask on, they've not worked out that it's Gerard, and he's got in there... Got an unspotted. I uh, I was with you until the comedy entrance where they all limped in together. <laughs> so like, he's trying to be inconspicuous. I know what we'll do. We'll we'll make it really obvious that we're bringing an old bloke. Reenact the scene public. from Saving Private Ryan yeah, to get was... Stephen Gerrard into a party. He was, was already invited. To. Oh look, the cast of Last of the Summer Wine are going to the Ivy. <laughs> I was I was with you until that. I'm not I'm not convinced really with the comic books either. I just don't see Rafa sitting down with a comic book. Full stop. To be to be quite honest with you, I, I do though. I like the idea of the fact that he's a, a trained chef and that he like like to take control of the situation. So I'm going to go with Rafa trained as a chef. And when he was at Liverpool, he liked to go in to the canteen and just uh, you know say, "No, I'll, don't worry, I'll make you, <laughs> I'll make you a full English today. It's all covered. Don't worry about it." That is the footballing fact. No. 
You see, Rich, there's been a pattern so far. If you look back, if you listen back to every single podcast, I mean, pretty much that I've been on so far, I've told the truth every single time, and you've just not got onto the onto the pattern. You've got me on the Alex Ferguson mind games here. I am I am the Kevin Keegan to your Sir Alex. But Ferguson. also, I've just rubbed it in because mine's not true either. Yours in true. Oh, you don't. And that is genuinely true about getting helped in as well. The paparazzi literally like helped helped him get in. Pete Crouch tells a story in his autobiography. Adam, did you know that? And you were just still playing along with me. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Piss off a lot. Yeah. There you go. Uh, footballing fact or footballing fiction. Adam, thank you so much for joining us on this yeah, podcast. Cheers, we, we, Thanks for having us, man. Really enjoyed it. It's worth um, getting up at half seven and travelling to Leeds for. Good. Transparent. And well. that's not a sentence you've often said, is it? So uh, Never. Never. <laughs> um, if you have enjoyed this, uh, please do subscribe. Then the next one will drop straight into your podcast provider. And please do rate us. We, we love it we're really grateful for all the kind ratings and all the kind reviews that you've been leaving so please uh, continue to do that we are grateful and spread the word of the broken metatarsal this episode was brought to you uh, by our friends at Football Index the football stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money sign up today at footballindex.co.uk and use the code TBMINDEX to trade with a £500 money back guarantee new customers only 18 plus and if you want to email us about anything to do with Norse's football contact at planetfootball.com Mark Thank you. Thank you. Pete, thank you. Thank you. Adam, thank you. Nice one. And we'll see you next time on the Broken Metatarsal.